Welcome back. I want to take a quick second to tell you about our sponsor of today's episode of North American Deer Talk, CNE Wildlife Products. CNE Wildlife is a trusted leader in biotechnology for the cervid industry. They offer microencapsulated bacteria products that are research supported through Texas Tech University. With more than 30 years of experience and commitment to all natural probiotics, this product line continues to be a mainstay in herd management programs across North America. And the reason is simple. They are passionate about the cervid industry. They have products for elk, whitetail, muleys, red deer, and more. With products ranging from Fawn Paste and Electromax to Guardian Plus, Whitetail Energy Pack, Jumpstart, or their ever-popular Top Score Extreme, they just flat out work. We've been a CNE Wildlife product user for more than 15 years. To learn more about CNE Wildlife, check out episode 54 of North American Deer Talk, a probiotics masterclass with CNE owner Sadie Horrocks, and give her a call today to start using the products we do here. Hey, it's the Deer Wizard, host of North American Deer Talk. I want to tell you about a great new advertising and research platform that we've developed for you, CWDbreeding.com. You know, as the deer industry continues to mature and develop around chronic waste and disease and its known genetic heritability, resources like CWDbreeding.com become essential tools for deer managers across the country making decisions about their herds. I really wanted a platform that excelled at hosting GBV and codon markers in a filterable and searchable manner, but I also wanted to have high quality pictures, videos, ages, scores, NADAR numbers, and a whole host of other information to go along with that. This database puts everything in one easy to find location and allows you to access the industry's greatest genetic resources. I look forward to seeing all the great bucks that people have to offer in one easy to find location, cwdbreeding.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of North American Deer Talk. This is episode number 92. It's been a, it's been a minute since we talked. Uh, we just wrapped up our uh, newsletter for October that launched uh, here recently. And if you haven't checked those out, they're, um, they're pretty cool. So we write up, um, you know, an article or two or three, uh, on a relative topic, uh, based off of, uh, seasonality and time that's going on. And we release those to our, uh, service solutions membership platform. So, uh, in addition to that, we have our North American deer talk plus, and we do an episode each month on the particular topic. Again, that is uh, a paywalled feature and uh, can be found in the Servant Solutions membership program. So if you're not a Servant Solutions member, head over to the website. It's just servidsolutions.com. Uh, hit that membership button or the sign up button, and uh, you'll find all sorts of uh, great educational pieces, articles, videos. Um, over there, we are, um, we got, we got a ton of stuff for whitetail deer. Uh, we are working on, a an elk section and a, a mule deer section as well. So, uh, just thought I'd throw that out. Uh, this past month is on artificial insemination and embryo transfer. 
So we figured that would be a good one for the month of October. Um, give you a little bit of heads up if you're looking to do a review on your program or you're just interested in that topic. If you are watching on YouTube, thank you so much. Not a YouTube fan, head over to Rumble. We do it over there too. You can also check us out at Apple Podcasts, um, you know, Amazon Music, Google, all your, you know, Spotify, all your major um, podcasting platforms. There's a million of them today. It's not hard to find us. It's North American Deer Talk. All right. All that's out of the way. How is everybody? Good. Um, I have been getting a couple questions from a few of you publicly, privately about the chronic wasting disease program here in Pennsylvania. So I am going to walk through that process to the best of my ability um, and as my uh, capacity for uh, or as the uh, current PDFA president, which won't be for too much longer. Um, it'll be uh, next week and that will be no more. Uh, I will be retaining my my membership on the board and, and be a dedicated uh, board member, but I am not going to run the show at PDFA. I am still planning on staying very active uh, and working on the things that I think are very important, and that's CWD. So with that said, uh, if you're listening to the podcast, I am going to uh, screen share and I'm going to walk through the uh, the documents that AG has for us. I will try to I will try to keep this. I will try to be descriptive. So if you're if you're a listener only, or if you're just listening and you don't have time to sit and watch my ugly mug on on YouTube, go through this stuff. Um, that you have somewhat of an understanding of of what we're doing. Um, there are there's always lots of nuance with this. I'm gonna try to keep my this is going to be tough. I'm going to try to keep my opinions out of this uh, and just stick with the the facts of what we know. And maybe we'll, if I do interject some opinion, I will try to say that. I would try to say this is in my opinion, or I think something like that. And, and then maybe we'll, um, we'll uh, talk a, a little bit about the, the future and what that looks like or how I see that kind of playing out. So again, if you're, if you're listening, um, you know, and you have the opportunity to, to check out the video, it may be, it may be something that, um, is worthwhile to you. So if you just go to the, and, and again, there's like a lot of reading here, you got some legal documents, but if you go to the, um, agriculture.pa.gov, um, website that'll give you our chronic wasting disease program what i do is i type uh, pa department of ag cwd into your favorite web browser and it's like the top link or two so <clears throat> this is the kind of the the hub right um and if you'll if you'll uh if you'll see here 
you got agriculture, animals, animal health services, diseases, and then the chronic wasting disease program. So our program coordinator is Brian Proctor. Uh, he handles and oversees everything. Uh, Jody Boyer takes care of uh, running the uh, clerical aspects of that inventories, permitting all that stuff. Okay. So um, there's a couple key distinctions that I, I want to relay to you. Number one, Pennsylvania and their uh, private deer operations, AKA deer farms and deer ranches are solely regulated by the department of agriculture. The, and you may call it something else in your state. The Pennsylvania Game Commission, which is our uh, DNR, Natural Resources, Wildlife Division, that kind of thing, um, does not have regulatory authority over our operations here. So that's a key distinction. Uh, that happened in uh, 2005. Um, we, we advocated for that. We asked to be put under the animal, uh, animal health specialists um, as a livestock industry. So let's we're starting with that basis. There are two programs in this state of Pennsylvania. One uh, is that we are we have a an HCP program or a herd certification program. That's nationally recognized. If I say HCP, um, pretty much everybody in this space knows what that is. Um, that's the the highest level of certification that you can have. That gives you the ability to ship outside of the state. You have to meet a threshold, a standard, if you will, um, to be able to do that commerce outside of the borders in PA. Okay. So I want to sell a deer to uh, somebody in Ohio. I have to obviously go through all sorts of different things, but I have to be an HCP. Um, if you want to look up the standards for the herd certification program, uh, you can do that at the USDA website. Our program here in the state of Pennsylvania is pretty much exactly the same. Um, you know, you got tagging, official tagging, inventories, all that kind of stuff. So, there's that. The other program we call HMP, Herd Monitoring Program. The two big distinctions, I think the main distinctions between those um, are going to be the uh, post-mortem testing that we have to do. HCP herds, herd certification herds, or herd certification program herds, have to test 100% of all age eligible animals. What is age eligible? 12 months of age or older. Okay. All those animals that die on your farm must be tested. That's a requirement. If you don't test out of the program, you go. Okay. The HMP herds are required to test 50% of all uh, age uh, eligible animals, right? So animals that are 12 months of age or older. And I'm going to just take a quick break here and grab a, uh, grab a drink. My throat is a little, a little chafed up. Um, so if I do that from time to time, I apologize, but I did want to do this recording for you all because I think it's important. So those are the, really the two distinct uh, differences. 
there are some differences in the inventory requirements. We have to do a yearly inventory uh, regardless. Um, and the the tagging requirements for for both uh, are a little bit different. Every animal, regardless of program that leaves a farm, must have an official ID. Okay? So I am an in-state only program participant. I am an HMP herd. As the majority of people in Pennsylvania are. Okay, so we got 660 odd farms. I'm going to use that air quotes farms. Um, basically, those are 660 uh, individual premises with, you know, one deer or more. Okay. Um, if you move an animal off of one of those farms, it must have an official form of ID. What are some official forms of ID? Tattoo, microchip, um, metal bangle tag, 15-digit RFID tag, those kinds of things, okay? So um, that's standard across all the programs. The, the, the testing um, really is the, is the big one, right? So I'm just going to scroll down, and you can... There's all sorts of different documentation here. Um, you'll see this map, and I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you this map more here in just one second. Um, these are kind of the bullet points of the HCP program. Uh, I'm not going to go through those here. You can you can look at those on this page. The herd monitoring program is a mandatory program. Okay, so if you're not in the HCP program, which is voluntary, right? You must be in the herd monitor program, which is mandatory. So you're either in one or the other. Um, so if you're in Pennsylvania and you have deer, you must be enrolled in a CWD program, okay? And we have a servid livestock operator's license that we pay for to do that. Um, it's a two-year term. It's 150 bucks. We did something really interesting with that money, <clears throat> which was a quite a bit of work, but we and it happened quite a while ago, um, more way more than 10 years ago. We got that uh, CLO licensing fund line itemed for the Servid Health program or this CWD program at ag specifically, right? So if you know anything about generally how politics works, there's a big bucket of funds and there's all these different agencies like the Pennsylvania department of agriculture, like the board or the uh, education department, health and human services, all those different things. And they appropriate the legislators appropriate those funds they pass a budget and they appropriate those funds out to the various agencies. And then the agencies kind of work through what they need to fund these programs. That's the basics of it. Ours is, is line is line item, right? So those funds don't go into the general fund to be divvied out. They go right to the CWD program. So we always have some um, sort of a funding mechanism there. And um, that's, that's kind of neat. So 
let's hop back up to this map because I think, yep, I think this is kind of interesting. Okay, so this right about here where my cursor is, that's where I'm sitting today, just for reference. So I am in a disease management area. This is a ranch, just 15 miles over that mountain right there, 20 miles, something like that, um, that had a, a positive doe, I think two years ago. Um, and I'll give you, I, I'm going to, I'm going to tangent and I'm going to come back. I promise. So, uh, I looked at the, I looked at the testing that went on and this, 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 um, this goes to the inequity in how our programs interact with the wildlife programs. So this particular ranch, I don't know the exact numbers, but they have tested hundreds of animals over the past 10 years. Take a guess at how many animals they tested in the wild in that township. So the township's way bigger than their, their ranch, right? Just take a guess. 10 years. Seven. Think you're going to find the disease with seven tests when some years you didn't even test any? Of course not. I'm not going to belabor that point. Anyway, so you now have other people that are surrounded by this uh, initial positive that they found that are affected, can be affected, right? If I was an HCP herd, a certified herd, this may affect some of my commerce opportunities. I had nothing to do with it, but I may not be able to ship to certain states. Um, that happens all over. Okay, so this is the, call it the distribution of chronic waste and disease in the state of Pennsylvania. And this is going to give us a good lay of the land for our discussion here. Okay, so it's somewhere, I think it's this dot down here. I believe this is Adams County. I should know these better. Anyway, this is where the first the first positive was. Let me see if I can see when this okay, updated 92123. Okay. So this is gonna be this is gonna be the first positive right here in the state. That was uh 2012, I think uh October. Something like that. I can't I can't tell you where in this quagmire which we call DMA2, the three positives were um, in the wild. They happened at the same time. They were like a month later. Um, they were somewhere like right in here. It's in Bedford County. So if we hop over here and you can see all the little distributions, this is our elk zone. Um, this is what they call DMA3, this big chunker right here of red that I'm outlining right now is DMA2. This is the largest distribution of chronic waste and disease in the state of Pennsylvania, by far, bar none, by a lot, okay? So this zone, you can just see it right in the center in yellow is the CWD court captive management area. It's three counties, Blair, Bedford, Fulton, okay? 85% of all positives in the state of Pennsylvania come from that area. And you can see that, you know, off to the east here, there's a there's quite a few um, 
there's quite a few positives from over here. Here's the interesting part, and, and I'm 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 gonna try not to belabor this point. The amount of testing that goes on in this particular zone right here is incredibly high, relatively speaking, right? It's not, you know, if they kill 10,000 animals, they might test 10% or something like that. Well, that's, that's high for in the wild. Um, but what's interesting is they don't test near as much out here and you can see the dis this distribution of uh CWD through here it's and if you if you pop a a topo map on they call this the ridge and valley region so i99 oh goes like this follow my cursor with me something like this right up like that okay that is a Ridge and Valley mountain range that runs up through PA. This is where they find almost all the positives. Um, this is expanded over into the, the, it's got, there's a big mountain range right here. These Saul Appalachian mountains right in the center area. And as you come to the East and up it, it, uh, it has a lot less mountains and a lot more farm ground. So you're seeing more of that distribution when you go to the West and you go up into the, um, the north of there, it, it's it's pretty rugged ground. Don't get me wrong, there's farmland, but like it's not like over in the east. This is a this whole and if you follow my cursor, I don't really. I think this is Lehigh right here. This might be Northampton County, something like that. Um, all this right here that I just kind of flattened in is is all really high quality farm ground right and the guys in lancaster they know lancaster county used to have 93 deer farms there might be 12 there today they're just all gone so anyway um this is the distribution map this is what it looks like now this yellow zone i want to talk about a little bit more you see a lot of these um, pink or magenta dots. These are the the positive facilities um, from our industry. I want to say there's 20-some, something like that. Um, these guys are just in a bad area of the state. There's a lot of wild CWD. It's been there for a long time, and these guys just keep going positive. Um that's a fact. Okay. So first positives in the wild were, uh, end of 2012, 2013. Um, the first positive case in a farm was not too far from those, those first positives in Bedford County. Uh, that didn't happen until 2017, January, 2017. I know because I sold a deer to that guy and six months after he popped his first positive, they depopped, and then in August they came and quarantined me. So I'm acutely aware of all this because it affected me personally. Um, and from there, from 2017 on, it was like, you know, call it dominoes, right? You just see more and more um, distribution of CWD in the wild and more and more uh, distribution of CWD in our, our private herds. So this zone is now a containment zone. 
if you are located in this area, this endemic area, you may not sell outside of it. And I'm going to hop over to another, another sheet. Okay. And this is the, our general quarantine order. Um, this is the, the governing document, if you will, of how our program actually works. Okay. I'm going to skip the top section here. And I'm going to run down here. You can, you can see, right? Like there's all these legal references where you have to cite old program um, bulletins and the domestic animal law. Like, you know, if you want to know what this stuff is, you know, it's, it's just, it's law after reg after law after reg and um, you got to be a lawyer. So I'm going to try to distill this for you the best I can. All right. Bear with me. Four captive zones. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the core captive management zone, CCMZ. I'll, I'm going to say CCMZ. So the CCMZ is established in um, the counties of Bedford, Blair, and Fulton County. Any person with a CWD susceptible species, a deer, right? Deer and elk, um, has to follow these established rules that are in this document. This is for the movement of live and de dead animals, okay? Here's the movements and restrictions. Any premise that's located in the CCMZ, having deer. Movement restriction. No CWD susceptible species of cervid may be moved from the premises located in the counties of the CCMZ to an area outside the CCMZ. If you happen to be in those three counties, they changed your world with a letter, right? And we we were not super happy about this as an association. I was, and, and it, it cost some people their businesses for sure. Live CWD, susceptible animal movement conditions, premises located within the CCMZ may move and receive other deer under the following rules between premises located in CCMZ. Okay. So if you're in those three counties, you can do business with each other. From premises located outside of the CCMZ. So someone like me, I have a farm outside of those three counties. I can sell into those three counties. Premises located outside Pennsylvania, as long as they meet um, the importation requirements. So if you're in any of the other states and you're a herd certified participant or an HCP participant, if you meet the criteria to come into the state of Pennsylvania under normal business operations, you can sell into the zone. Now, everybody's screaming at the TV. Why would anybody want to sell in there if it's such a high risk? Well, exactly. Right. So, um, that typically doesn't happen. However, there are um, quite a few ranches in that area. And, and just for a little historical context, uh, Bedford County, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 
was the largest deer farming county in the state. And and remember, I told you that that Lancaster had ninety three some farms. So, I mean, there was a lot of farms in Bedford, and one of the reasons is the land value was relatively inexpensive there, right? A lot of guys hunters, and they just they started building farms out, and like there was a ton of there was a ton of farms in there. Um, there might have been two hundred fifty farms in those three counties back in the day. I mean, there was a lot. Anyway, um, um, we're on the movement. Sorry, I got sidetracked. Okay, so you got the 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 general gist of the live animal movements. Um, if you are. Hang on, I'm work. I'm working through this again. I it's, without reading every one of these, and you almost have to. Um, it's kind of it's kind of it's just crappy to read. Okay, so, and I apologize for the listeners. I'm I'm zipping over all these. DD one, DD two, DD three. These are all the different sections in here. Um, if you're a corporate lawyer, or you've done a lot of business, you've seen contracts before and agreements. It's written just like that. Okay. So fully certified premises requesting a written permit. Okay. You'll like this. So if you're an HCP and you are inside that zone, you can ship out of state, um, as long as you meet the requirements of the importing state. If you want to ship outside of the zone and you're an HCP, um, basically you have to live test your herd. Um, even though you've been doing all this testing, you have to live test your herd. Um, now, for some of you in uh, especially Texas, where you've done a ton of live testing on your animals, not a big deal. Um, so... You got to do raw malt testing. At least 90% of your herd over nine months of age must be tested um, through NVSL, which is the National Veterinary Services Laboratory. Um, if you don't have more than 90%, you, you just can't move. Um, obviously, positive tests, they'll cause you issues. We all know that. Um Here's the interesting part of this. If you are, and I think this is the thing that many of you are asking about. If you are a positive herd, if you've had a positive on your farm, they gen, um, and generally speaking, they're not trying to come in and depopulate your herd and especially if you're in this in this zone like they're just they're not depopping herds in the zone anymore the the purpose of that is that number one it's you have you're in an endemic zone right like there's cwd everywhere what what are taking those animals off the landscape achieving nothing there's better use of those funds there's better use of those animals so when you're a positive herd, 
you can sell to remember anybody else in the zone. When you do that, the other person has to take on your quarantine, right? So they take on your status. They're not necessarily taking on, um, you know, they're not, they're not taking on CWD, but they have to do everything you do. So those, those folks are limited in their ability to do anything. And especially like, we don't have, we don't have distinction between, um, you know, a hunt ranch and a, and a breeder operation. Right. So the breeders aren't doing business together unless they're, you know, both positive facilities. We just don't have that many, you know, there's maybe half a half a dozen, or excuse me, a dozen that are still in business, maybe upwards of 20, you know, 10 of those might be hunt ranches, uh, maybe a little less. So what happens is, and what we've seen because the marketplace is not big enough to support that is we've seen the positive facilities, the positive farms, and I'll use farms as a, you know, the normal kind of terminology that we're using. The positive farms can really only sell to a couple places that are also positive ranches, right? Um, and and that that market is, I mean, the, the, don't get me wrong. The guys that are that are hunting are they are doing a a a service to um, keep those guys going, and you know they're hunting and they're they're removing. Um, removing these animals from the landscape and, and doing it in a way that helps the farmer. It helps their uh, ranch sustain itself. And, you know, overall it's a, it's a net benefit to, to everybody in that area. So that's something to, to remember. Um, one of the catches with that is that they have a calculation on the um, positive herd rate, basically the prevalence within a herd. And it needs to be under 5%. And you're like, well, how'd they come up with the 5% number? It's an interesting conversation. So the wildlife folks had a goal to keep their prevalence rate in the wild under 5%. And if they got above that, they thought that it would be something that they wouldn't be able to control. I agree. And what we've seen, and I, I calculate, I, you can go to the Pennsylvania Game Commission uh, website. You can run your own your own prevalence rates um, based on their their testing numbers. It's all there. They have they have a really nice dashboard where you can. You can look at the number of tests in an area and and all that. Anyway, this is 28, 28% prevalence in uh, Bedford County last year, something like that, 28, 29, 27, whatever it is, right in there. Um, it's really high. So one of the issues with this 5% number is it's been blown out outside of our fence. Well, that pressures the animals inside of the fence. And it's not hard when you're when you're running a, a hunt operation and you're a positive herd and you're able to buy animals from positive herds 
that you exceed, you know, five animals, right? So you might have a, a ranch that runs, you know, a hundred head of animals and, you know, they're, they're trying to harvest some of their own off. They're managing a small doe herd and they're, you know, they're supplementing uh, from some of the, these other operations, right? These other farms. Well, you know, you, you might pick up a couple of the positives from one of the farms that comes in. You might pick up a couple from your own place and boom, if you got a hundred animals, um, you know, not hard to get five tests. Well, here's what happens. The, um, and, and, and just to be clear, all these movements are done under, you know, strict inventories, official IDs, all permitted through the Department of Ag. So anybody that's listening that's not familiar with how these programs work, please go read the document, the one I have on the screen here. And um, and it's it's quite thorough, okay? So this isn't some fly-by-night. We're not dumping CWD all over the place. This is, a, this is like a, a real thing, right? This is a real program. And this is how disease management um, works and what it looks like. So... Uh, and this is going to continue to get better and better over time. And I'm getting to that part in a second. So um, the, the gist of it is that once you exceed that, that 5%, they want you to kill all the, the females there. Well, we all know that the females are there to reproduce, to make, you know, additional offspring. And now we have a new tool, right? Now we have these, these genetics with known lower susceptibility. So my opinion, this needs reworked because we're starting to butt up against this pretty good with a couple people. And I've been trying to work on them um, with that. So anyway, all this stuff is here. So, I mean, yeah, I'm flipping through it. It's, it's nine, it's nine pages, right? Um, here's what I, I'm going to pop back over to our, our, our map and I'm going to sit back a little bit and I'm just going to kind of freewheel. I will be injecting some of my thoughts and comments into this now. Uh, less so than I did before, and I apologize. And and if you if you're um if you're a listener that's um you know maybe not a a, a farmer or rancher uh, in the private industry, you're a hunter and or uh, someone that's interested in chronic wasting disease in Pennsylvania or this program, um, you you hear some of my um my bias towards, um, you know, deer farming and how wildlife handles things. And it, it's, it's partly because I've been a little jaded by, um, how PGC handles it. And, and honestly, you know, a decade of finger pointing at us, you know, while we're over here trying to, you know, work solutions and, and I touch on those genetics here and I'll, 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 I'll touch on it again a little bit, but here's the gist of the program. If you are if you are in the CCMZ, you still have the ability to do business. Okay, it's not great. I think there are some big changes that are coming to make it much much better. That would be adjustment to the herd positive rate. That would be the injection of new genetics into those positive herds. Um, I think incorporating some live testing is going to be important. Here's what's 
optimistic for me. Now, I am not in an endemic area. I am in a disease management area. So very, very low prevalence. Let's say at this case, it could have been, you know, one one positive. Uh, a spur- it could have been a sporadic case. We, we really don't know. Um, they've been doing lots of increased testing around my area. Um, no new CWD. It's tough to say, but let's just say I went positive tomorrow. I would be able to sell into that CCMZ at a minimum, right? And I think that there will be opportunity, and I don't know this, so I may be speaking out of turn, and it's because we have an incorporated live testing like the folks in Texas have, right? And of course they're 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 using their Texas Parks and Wildlife uses that as a as a, a carrot and a cudgel at the same time, which is crazy to think about. You know, they tell you you have to live test before you release animals. You do. They're not detect. And then when some sort of trace happens, the live test is no longer valid and it can only be a dead test that could release you from a, from a quarantine. Get that right. Government who would, who would have guessed. So, um, you know, for me, I think there'll be an opportunity, you know, if I was a positive facility to live test, incorporate genetics and, you know, start opening up other commerce opportunities outside of, um, you know, just a couple farms in the CCMZ. I think on the on the trace. I think ep, 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 uh, epidemiological investigations will become more and more important. And I I know here in Pennsylvania they're going to be looking at those with all your herd history, your testing, um, live testing, duration of incubation, duration of time that a positive animal had left your left your farm in in the event of a a trace back those types of things are going to be looked at very very carefully um and i think usda is starting to look at those too and and trying to really um add some teeth into what that epi looks like and if you're if you're not familiar with an epi um the herd plan that you get is based off of that risk analysis an epi is a a uh, finalized risk analysis, an epidemiological investigation is an investigation of uh, animal disease and the animals that you have and how it interacted uh, with the criteria of the program for chronic waste disease. But it also manifests itself into a a herd plan. And this is this is basically how your farm is going to operate over X amount of time while you're under this this quarantine. Now, none of these things are great. I'm not I'm not endorsing that. It's a it's a a fact of reality that they exist. It's also something that we can use as a template to build from. And as we get new science and technology, that starts getting integrated into those herd plans. We we are seeing that, right? Like um, I can, I can just, I can hear our ag department talking about the importance of 
uh, genetics and what that looks like for our herds. And I can hear USDA. I can see USDA better yet. You know, don't, don't, um, what, what's the adage? Like, uh, you know, do as I do, not as I say, or something like that. Um, we hear, we hear USDA saying th- some things they're kind of, they're kind of quiet on stuff, but you know, if you participate in the listening sessions and the stakeholder meetings and all that, um, they've been very supportive of, you know, trying a whole bunch of different ideas, um, you know, based on science, but you can see it in the cooperative agreement dollars. Industry said, what are the most important things to us? Genetics. Uh, for low susceptibility of CWD was the number one thing. What did USDA do? They started delivering funds to those states through the grant process. And those cooperative agreement funds are out there. And we have, I think there's eight or nine states now that have fairly significant funding for this type of testing. Now, what you do with that data, that's up to you. But USDA, they've thrown some money at um, that DNA, uh, you know, SNPs testing and, and genomic analysis. And I like, that's awesome. Like cheers to USDA. I think I thank you. Right. So I'm using those results on my farm to make informed breeding decisions, to lower the, the overall susceptibility of my herd. Um, number one, cause I don't want to go positive, but number two, if something was to happen, that I am positioned well from a genomic standpoint that I can implement the other tools at my disposal, live testing, biosecurity measures to just knock that CWD right off the map. Right. And we're seeing regulatory agencies opening their eyes to this and saying, absolutely. And then they look at your, your epi, they develop your herd plan and you have something that is livable and doable. This requires common sense regulatory approach. Well, where have we seen that before in the past? Hmm. Scrapey and sheep. We know that scrapey is probably the number one reservoir for chronic wasting disease in deer. Now, I'm not going so far as to call CWD in deer scrapey because scrapey is for sheep and goats. I will call it CWD. Because if I walk into a regulator's office and I continue to confuse them, they don't know what the hell I'm talking about. And I don't make any headway on my conversation. These words and terminologies are very important. Use them to your advantage, right? So when we start looking at all these pieces, it's pretty sweet, right? Now, am I able, and I'm back on this map, right? So if you're watching, check it out. If I am, if I am uh, right here in my little, my little bubble, right, my, my farm, and I'm a positive herd, regardless of where I'm at initially, I'm not going to be able to sell over here, right? You're in a place with no known CWD. Doesn't mean it's not there. It's just never been found. Um, or down here, right? Or over here in this, any of this gray part of the map, right? So the other thing to look at in Pennsylvania is this blue area is the crown jewel. This is our elk area. This is the golden goose. This is the protect at all cost area in Pennsylvania. They do not want CWD in this area. I don't blame them. 
right? Like we have a, we have a pretty robust and growing elk herd, you know, it's whatever, 1500 animals. It's not big, but like they make a bunch of money off of, off of, uh, our lottery here. It generates a lot of hoopla. There's ton, there's outfitters and there's a whole economy built around this thing. They got visitor centers. Like it's, they've done a nice job with the elk, um, generally speaking over there. And we have some monster trophy bulls, all of our, all of our imports came in and, you know, 1900 and 1920, uh, basically from the Yellowstone herd. So we got a bunch of Montana genetics here and in, in, uh, in Pennsylvania and like they, I think they harvested three bulls over 400, uh, last year. Like we have some big time trophy bulls. Anyway, um, this area is an area of concern for them right on this, this Western border of that elk range. Um, Anyway, I, I don't want to get into the analysis too much of of the the whole CWD management aspect of of these DMAs and these zones and stuff like that. But I will say this: if you look at this, this is this is my opinion. Let's take the let's take the pink dots off the map, right? And let's just look at the blue because it's the biggest reservoir for CWD. It just is. And they, there's no fences here controlling everything. You can walk around. Um, if it was me, I'd be, I'd be testing something fierce around these edges. I mean, a lot. Where do they do most of the testing? Right here. Half of the testing in the state is done in those four counties. Right there in the center of the map. Why? So we know what the prevalence is. The prevalence is out of control. You got no tools. No tools you're willing to implement, right? So if you want to stop it from spreading over here on these edges and try to contain it a little bit so it doesn't get thick with this, you know, a thousand blue marks in the center, you got to do your testing over here and implement the only strategy that you have, and that's higher harvest rates or depopulation. That's my advice to, to game. My other advice is, is nurture the relationship with the Department of Agriculture and private deer managers. That's me to develop a program to inject genetics into these high susceptibility areas. I think that's a, a win for everybody. We'll talk about that at another day. Um, I hope that helps, uh, folks. I, I, there's just so many, there's so many rabbit holes to, to go down on this. Um, we have tons of work here to do in Pennsylvania. I am going to continue to work on this. Um, it's never good when you get CWD. But here in PA, it's not the end of the world. We have some options. Um, the genetic thing is a big deal up here. Um, guys are are working that hard. You know, the positive facilities have, you know, the ability to move animals to other positive facilities. And, um, you know, certainly if you have a farm and then a ranch connected, like that's a no brainer. Like at our ag department is not putting people out of business 
if you get a positive in, you know, either one of your facilities and generally speaking, they're connected, um, even with, you know, a 30 foot buffer or something like that, like they're going to let you move those animals over. They, the government doesn't want to spend all their money depopulating animals. They'd rather see you work a breeding program and, you know, keep your business going. So it's very different in, in, you know, each state has different dynamics, but we've had CWD for, I don't know, 11, uh, 11 years, what, 2012, what is it? 2023, 11 years. Um, it's not going away. You guys can see the map that we're staring at. There's, uh, as of September, there was 1400 positives. that that number is just going to keep going up exponentially like the prevalence rates are increasing and they're decreasing the amount of testing they're doing um like significantly by like they've decreased by like 30 percent best i can tell off their numbers um maybe that's changed maybe they were just filling in the filling in the the results but when i looked at it you know, it was year over year for the past, since I think 2020, it's been down, you know, 10, 20, 30% each year. So they peaked at whatever, 15, 16,000. It was at like 10 or 11 last year. Well, that's a big decrease. And guess what? Positives are going up. So if they would have tested the same amount, we'd have way more positives. There's, there's tens of thousands of animals walking around in Pennsylvania with CWD. Today, right now, the only answers come from within our operations, at least with the science that I've seen and the science that's being worked on. We are the solution to this problem. And this problem was not created by us, but we are fixing it. So don't, don't run us out of business. Work with us. We want to help. We are good stewards of this land and this this animal, this resource. We want to help. I don't want to get off on a, <laughs> a emotional tangent about how upsetting this is to so many people that I know, including myself. So let's just let's try to build these programs the best we can. I really would love to come on here and just talk to you guys about genetics and breeding and taking care of animals and feed and all that cool stuff that we do. Every time I come in here, it's talking about CWD. <laughs> it's like a, a way of life. I'd like to be done with that one day. Um, anyway, I hope this helps. I, I'm sorry if it got long winded. It's just, that's how, it, that's how it goes. Um, these resources are here for you. I will try to link the CCMZ order the map that we were looking at, and then just the general chronic waste and disease um, page with all our program and our, it's got all the publications and documents down the side. You can see our inventory forms, you know, the CWD dashboard, which I think is what we were on before. Um, all that, all that stuff is there. So yeah, again, I hope it helps. Um, if y'all need anything, I'm here. I'll try to help you. I can, answer questions, um, you know, give you some insight. I'm hoping we have lots of good news here over the coming, um, 
you know, one to three years here in Pennsylvania, I think you're going to see significant changes in the next 365 days. Um, but everything in government moves slow because there's other stuff going on. And I know in our state, a uh, high path avian influenza is a significant uh, drain on the resources, which includes the people here in the state. So anyway, I hope y'all have a great, um, great fall, you know, kick butt breeding, enjoy your hunting, make it a good one. And with that, we'll wrap up. Stay tuned for another episode of North American Deer Talk. <laughs>